When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Aaron Hogan, Rod Baber, Austin, Texas, in the sports, the horn. Uh, open there. Tom Petty. I'm surprised Tom Petty wasn't a part of the We Are the World thing back in 85. He was a huge star. That's true. But they, they did talk at the beginning about a lot of guys, a lot of folks were on tour, right? And if they're on tour, they weren't going to be able to be a part of it. Uh, also, right about this, 1985, when they were once final, Lionel Richie finally figured out the song and they recorded a bit of a demo, he and Michael Jackson, to send it to everybody. They had to put them in FedEx. They had to create, they had to make oh, yeah. cassette capes and put them in the FedEx and send them off in the FedEx truck. Pretty cool, man. Walk down memory lane That's in awesome. that uh, documentary, yeah. which I highly recommend. Also highly recommend uh, uh, this hour because we're going to be uh, talking all things Steve Sarkeesian and the Longhorns. Uh, fair to say, Rod, that that was a, a state of the program address essentially yesterday for Sark. Uh, talking about yep. – the overview of what's happened through the uh, the high school recruiting in the portal, the new new front office that's being built, and I know you'll take us behind the burnt orange curtain, but uh, you can tell Sark's pretty excited about where things stand, the foundation they've laid through three years, and uh, the opportunity to build on that foundation and do some special things in the coming years. Yeah, I mean, he's talked about how he's borderline obsessed now with winning a title because he's so close um, with uh, this team last season, and I think that comes from the – um, the realization that they were ahead of schedule last year too, and I think that to him was confirmation, reaffirmation that they that all the decisions that he had made in terms of the coaching hires and how to build the culture, the development aspect of it, even the schemes that they had implemented, that they were all the right decisions. Like he was actually making the the, the best decisions to put his team in a place to be a championship caliber team. And now I think he just knows that now I've I've put the foundation in place. Now all we have to do is kind of double down our efforts. Yeah, double I mean, down our what we were doing is working. Now let's do it better and do more of it. Yeah, and, and remember, it all started in January last year, guys. That's where that team laid the foundation that led to a championship. Yep. So let's not let down. That's where the complacency is, the devil conversation is, because it is. I mean, it's true. I mean, now, I mean, if there were anybody still in the program that were kind of wondering about this guy, Sark, I mean, I think there's full belief now. Because there was never a moment last year where we, you know, the national narrative, the national conversations is, oh, same old Texas, same old Texas. Right? They, they never had that. You know, they had close wins, which were gut check, you know, character program wins. And their two losses were on the last play of the game, essentially. So yep. uh, they, 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 they kind of shed the soft label. Uh, you know, soft Texas country club program because they went toe-to-toe, physical, you know, physical Alabama at Alabama. Um, and, and, you know, kind of shed that. They, came, they overcame adversity with the injury to Quinn Ewers, mm-hmm. you know, late in the season and yep. won some games with a backup quarterback, even though it wasn't always pretty. They did it, and then they finished with a bang and end up in the college football playoff. So, yeah, that's – as a coach, Rod, I mean, you can now – you have full buy-in. Yeah. Because everyone who's coming back was a part that was a part of you, and the new players understand, okay, this is the way to do it. They've this, seen evidence now. It's, it's clear. Yeah. It works. I mean, cause the formula I, works. And for folks who, you know, we've covered this team for a long time, they were understanding why can't they just turn this thing around? As, as anybody that's been in a, in a business will tell you, it's not, you don't just do it in a day. Um, you know, I, I talk about it with Callahan's general store in your yard. It doesn't happen in a month, right? You've got to do it mm-hmm. month after month after month after yep. month. The next thing you know, you'll have a yard that looks great. I know that's a, there's a parent, there's a, an example, but at the same time, that's what this is. And, you know, Texas could never get over that hump with whether it was Charlie Strong or Tom Herman. Uh, it just felt like, I mean, Herman got close after the Sugar Bowl, but it all collapsed by on that because of his, his own issues and, and his relationships and whatnot. But Sark had got Texas up over that hump, like over the hump of, Oh, that's just the same old Texas, mm-hmm. yeah, same old Texas. And that is what's exciting is, okay, now – and we have the coaching continuity. We're bringing our quarterback back. We're bringing most of our offensive line back. And, you know, the new guys, the new talented players we have coming in and portal players, we, we hope and assume are just going to – they're coming here to be a part of that. Yep. 
They're coming here to be a part of that, and that's when the future can be really, really bright because I want to say, you know, like I say, once you get your yard to where it's supposed to be, it took a lot of work, but then it's just maintenance. Maintain it. Yeah, yeah then you're just maintaining it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maintain that yard, and it's much easier than getting it there. That's what Sark has to oversee, and that's why he feels like he's got good people in place. We'll hear him coming up. But it was – I think Longhorn fans need to be pretty excited about where they're going, uh, even into the SEC where they're pretty, pretty well built to handle the rigors of that conference, I think, right now. They are. My big concern would be going to the SEC, you know, just like you have to deal with in the Big 12, there are going to be just weeks where you don't play your best football for four quarters, and you're going to have to find a way to pull out those wins, and they did that this year, right? Those were clutch wins. Those were culture wins. Game-winning defensive stands, uh, you know, goal line stands. They've had those. The AD had that great reception against TCU to seal the game on third down. I mean, they've had these really – against Alabama, right, on the road, being able to choke out Alabama with the run game. Really impressive performances, being able to win games in critical moments. But there are also moments – you talked about it – they lost – a couple of games, but they were really close. And they won a game. They won a couple of games. They were really close, too. And it was this U of H against TCU and against K-State. You're going to have those same, I think, types of weeks and stretches in the SEC, except they're going to be going against better competition. So if you, like, just like you had the U of H game this year, I don't, know if you win, I don't know if you win U of H, K-State, and TCU in the Big 12. I mean, sorry, in the SEC. You're right about those that. Times, uh, you lose one of those games. You're right about that. Right, because the SEC is just better. And that's where you hope uh, on the – the building paradigm, you're, you've reached that point where yes. you, you don't play as many close games. Yeah. You actually you know, pull away in some games. You win and you don't have that comfortable margin. Yeah, you, you mean because even in the Houston game, you're up 21 to nothing. I mean, yep. in the K-State game, you're, you're up in total points. control yeah. of the game, uh, and you let it get away. And, and that's the hope, right, that uh, you know, the, 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 now that you know how to do it, now it's about hitting the accelerator and doing it better. Yes. Doing it better. And not, not to, to the, the Bobby Bowden thing we talked about and we talked about all through the year. You know, lose big, lose close, win close, win big in a four-year run. That's the hope. And I think you're, that, that's what I heard from Sark yesterday watching. He's, he's, he knows it takes what it takes, but he feels like they're in a really good place to build on what they've, they've done in three seasons, and they've added a lot of good pieces. I mean, he talked about all of the members of his um, signing class through the portal. I mean, these are – it's ranked as one of the top two portal classes mm-hmm. in the in the country yep. because it fill and it fills huge holes. So wide receiver, tight end, defensive back with Makuba. So I know we'll walk through it, but hey, Patrick, can we? I want to hear the one about Andrew Makuba that he was asked about because this was good. Uh, so Andrew Makuba is coming back. Cut fifteen. Yeah, it's cut fifteen, Patrick. Uh, but Andrew Makuba is is back in in, in I think Sark. Um, you know he knows what he's getting in this guy, and they needed someone like this in the back end to go with yeah. Jade Barron. Listen to him talking about the former LBJ Jaguar and what he's already noticed from him in the first uh, month or so he's been on campus. Yeah, I mean I I think you know especially for for Makuba, you know you don't you don't be a three year you know frontline starter at a Clemson decide to come back to Texas if you're not serious about coming back to Texas and and being part of our program and what we're doing. I, I think it's helpful that, that he and Jade Barron have a really good relationship and Jade has kind of gotten him up to speed quickly on the things that are important in our program. Um, but man, when you can get a guy with that experience and, and that type of playmaking ability is, is big for us. Uh, but again, I think he's he's serious about his approach. That's probably my biggest uh, observation of him early on. Is he came here for a reason, you know? And I think he's dialed into to to what he's working on and, and how he's trying to um, get to the you know. Everybody wants to focus on the result, but I think he's dialed into the process of it, knowing the result that he's looking for in the end. There you go, Makuba, bringing a, a mature veteran leader to that back end to go with Jade Barrenrod with the, the further development of Derek Williams. That can be a strength of this team this year, potentially. Uh, yeah, I mean, the truth is that, you know, Sark, I mean, we talk, he's, he was remarking on that media availability that all of his coaches had been considered for other jobs, and maybe that is true, but I, I did wonder if that was the case with the secondary. Um, because every other position group on the 40 acres has shown uh, has shown tremendous improvement from year one to year two or year three, right? Uh, whether you're talking about the defensive line, whether you're talking about the O line, whether you're talking about wide receivers, whether you're talking about tight ends, running backs, uh, I mean linebackers. They were stellar when you know Jalen Ford and Overshone, and I mean they they were stellar at, at almost every level of the defense and offense except defensive backfield yep. and the secondary. Right? You lost two games this year. Essentially, you lost two games because you played against elite quarterbacks 
in those two games with Dylan Gabriel, all first team all Big Twelve, and then Michael Penix was going to being a second round pick in the league. Um, and those two quarterbacks were able to beat you because your secondary was exposed in those games. You can look at the last two years. What does Texas have the last two years? How many losses total? Seven losses total? Mm-hmm. More than half of those losses guys are two elite quarterbacks. Think about it. Yeah. Michael Penix in that group. Max Duggan was a Heisman finalist. You end up losing to him two years ago. Uh, you know what I mean? Like it's, it, it, you know, Bryce Young was a Heisman Trophy uh, winner and all that. So I'm not saying – I'm not being overly critical. I'm trying not to be because – the quarterbacks you've lost a lot. He's got some elite players, but it just shows you that is the last phase of roster construction for Sark. They got six DBs coming in this class, that includes McCubin and transfer portal, but five DBs, and they're starting to recruit certain types and certain characteristics and certain traits at DBs, versatility being one of them, guys who can run. They got any more foot speed in the secondary. They need coverage ability. You, I always say you can't, you can't coach coverage. All right, you can recruit it. You can't coach. You can't coach speed. All right, you can recruit it, but you can't coach it. Guys can get a little bit faster, but speed is speed. You're born with it. And I think now they're starting to recruit more of those traits in the backfield that they know that they can't coach up. I think they've tried to coach them up, guys, and it has not worked. Think about yeah, it. Yeah, they had a ceiling to what their, their, yeah. their skill set was. Yeah, because think about it. The D-line, those guys, they inherited. They coached up. Our linebackers, inherited, coached up. Secondary, they inherited. Mm, they were t- t- tough for them to coach it up, though. They couldn't coach it up enough. Right? They coached up every other position they inherited, talent in, D-line, linebacker, but they couldn't do it in the secondary. That's because you cannot coach coverage. You have to recruit it. You cannot coach foot speed. You have to recruit it, and they didn't have enough of that in the back end. You cannot coach hips. You, you can't gotta, coach hips, yeah. Ryan Watts. Right? you got to be born with loose hips. Yeah, that's right. So I, I just think that they finally figured. get fig- better, but you're always going to have a ceiling yes. if you don't have it naturally. And I, and I think that's why they were exposed versus, by the elite quarterbacks, which they'll face, what, twice two times two or three times a year maybe they'll face the best quarterback QB. they'll face this year is Carson, Carson Beck. Beck and then yeah exactly right? and, and, Carson Beck who's a real good player he's a good player but my point is you won't see many of those but that is your next hurdle to get you over the top is you got to get your secondary uh, to the point you got to get it up to speed where it, you can defend against elite QBs because right like, now you can't do that I think Makuba Barron and uh, Derek Williams give you a real good start they and, do and Terrence Brooks and and uh, and Manny Muhammad on the corners and mm-hmm. then the, the, the depth behind that real real quick piece of breaking news that's come out in the last 10 minutes or so rod real quick we have a breaking news sounder patrick davis uh this is going to be a surprise to some according to colt barber of 6365 dave aranda has uh has hired former tcu head coach gary patterson to his staff as a senior level strategic consultant okay all right interesting <laughs> so uh dave and bruce feldman has then uh, confirmed the hire of the former tcu head coach the bear staff as a senior consultant of course, spent a year with Texas in 2022. There was some chatter that maybe maybe back, but uh, he's going to stay and coach in Waco, which again, you know, closer to his home in TC in mm-hmm. Fort Worth, and uh, still around the game of ball. And uh, so that's the report according to Feldman and Colt Barber. Wow, um, that's interesting. I'm not going to lie, that's interesting. I don't. I'm trying to figure out what the motivation could be for Coach Patterson to do that, because unless he didn't have other offers, and I'm I'm almost sure Coach Patterson had some other offers. And he chose Baylor with a coach. I don't say coach is on the hot seat, but it's warming up. Ooh. Right? <laughs> is it strategic by him? Mm, so maybe that's what we're looking at here. Maybe he's Gary Patterson he angling in, to land the Baylor yeah, job. Maybe he wants to get in good with the administration, get in good with the folks there. And that would be irony. because Learn he, the roster a little bit. Because right? the irony of that would be – Dripping because he and he hated Art Bryles in the Baylor program when he was the coach at TCU. That was a straight up rivalry. That was that was bad blood between That's those true. two. That's true. But has there been a program that has shown the ability to reinvent itself better than Baylor no. football? No, I, nobody I, has. No, really. there, I, and I don't think it would be a terrible idea because <laughs> I do think Gary Patterson wants to coach football again as a mm-hmm. head coach, but I don't think he wants to move too far from be the right spot. Fort Worth or Austin. Yeah, right situation. Huh? About right, right in the middle. <laughs> Honestly, man, like I said, I, I don't, I, I don't know. I wonder. Like I said, I wonder if he had how many other offers he had. But considering Dave Aranda's jo- lack of job security, because they were thinking about firing him after last season, right? That was the report. They were thinking about moving on. Well, because it was a miserable season. And well, the defense, he, he, you know, if you're a defensive coach, it's one thing to not have a good offense. It's, it's only to have a terrible defense. And he's had to change coordinators multiple times already. He's and, been there, what? And the talent level is dropping. And so ever recruiting. since Matt Rule left. And, and ever since Joey McGuire left to go to Texas Tech and took a couple of the top recruiting aces, they haven't been replaced. And, of course, in year one, Dave Aranda has admitted that he didn't attack the portal at all, kind of did the Davos when he ignored the portal. Yeah, Dave Aranda should watch out because this is a perfect transition. If I'm, if I'm the administration, I'm looking at him like, okay, this is easy. Yeah, I'll, I'll, offer, I'll offer Gary Patterson that job 
honestly, if you start out slow, if you start out, what, with the first six games with a losing record or anything close to five, like right around 500, I probably could make that move. Mac right. Brown did that when he wasn't sure about Manny Diaz. And yes, remember, he, he hired did. Greg Robinson. Greg, yep, and it worked. <laughs> it worked. And hey, don't, forget, the year. don't forget, Aaron, uh, Kendall Bryles is the OC over at uh, TCU now, too. So they've switched. Ooh. Yeah, so we, we, it is Bryles versus Patterson, Baylor versus TCU. They're just on different sites now. <laughs> well, I heard from multiple people, it's and nice. certainly and, and one nice. who played at TCU last year on the offensive side of the ball, that uh, Kendall Bryles was not very well liked. Uh, versus, versus, I'm talking about in the locker room. Like versus, the versus what uh, um, Garrett Riley was. I mean, they loved Garrett they Riley, Garrett and they did, they did not warm up to Kendall Bryles. There was, but I, I heard that from former from players. Okay. Okay. We were in the locker room. Yeah. That it was um, – either way. But so Sonny Dykes is going to stick with him. And, yeah, Gary Patterson moving in there. Remember, Jake Spavital is the new offensive coordinator That's at true. Baylor. Yeah. Uh, of course, former Texas State head coach. I and think I've, he's going to do a good job, actually. Yeah, I've, I've actually shared some text messages with Jake, and we'll try to get him on the show. He's excited to be back in Central Texas and really excited. Now here comes Gary Patterson. Man. And maybe David Rand says, man, I need help defensively. I need I, I, my defense has fallen off here in the last couple of years. Maybe I need help structurally, schematically with my concepts and ideas. And who better to bring in than Gary Patterson? Yeah, to help me kind of bat. Honestly, it's what he did for PK. PK came in and massively miscalculated the Big Twelve <laughs> his first year. He really did. He just had the wrong schemes. The the, the coverages were not synced up or coordinated with the pressure packages. PK, it just looked like he had no idea about the terrain of the Big 12. They bring Gary Patterson in. Gary Patterson brings his cliff notes and goes, I got cliff notes on every team. This is what they run in the Big 12. This is why the league is so popular conceptually, well, schematically. That's... And I think he's going to give David Randall the same cliff notes and go, man, this is how you play defense in the Big 12. Yeah, and maybe. Every ecosystem is a little different. Thinking big picture strategically, which is what the Colt, whatever, Colt Barber said his title is. Uh, senior strategic consultant or whatever. I know, it's, it's, it's I like a fancy that. title. But if it's strategic, uh, maybe that's why Gary Patterson didn't, if he was invited to come back to Texas, doesn't want to go off to the SEC because he doesn't have that playbook. He doesn't yeah. have that yeah. wealth of knowledge. He's, he was in the Big 12 for what? His, his, oh, fuck, a decade 25 plus? years. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, his knowledge base is Texas. His knowledge mm -hmm. base is the Big 12. Yep. So if you're going to help a team, you know, everything he'd be learning in the SEC is new. Doesn't mean he couldn't do it, but man. As you just said, I got the cliff notes. He's on got all it all. Guys. He's got the breakdown. So, so good for Dave Aranda. That is crazy. He, you know, some will say he's hiring his replacement, but or or it's going to be a strategically smart move. It's both. I think. I think it's both. I think, I think it's, it's both. both. And then, you know, if you're a confident coach, you can't worry about A's that. higher A's. Yeah, exactly. You can't worry about that. B's higher C's. Yep. A's higher A's. I mean, bring uh, in the best guys and let the chips fall where they may. Yeah, be confident in yourself, and that can be help your program. So yeah, we'll we'll keep an eye on Baylor. Obviously, Longhorn's no longer in the Big Twelve, so I know we'll get texts say, "Why well, y'all talking about Big Twelve? We're not in the Big Twelve anymore." <laughs> That's true. Speaking of the Big Twelve, so we're not talking about it anymore. But I want to bring this up really quickly. Uh, Colorado's going to have a new DC too. They got the safeties coach Ooh. from Cincinnati. So another the Bengals. One, yeah. So another one of these. You know, that, that Michigan did this right when they went up and got you know Jesse Minter and Mike McDonald and brought them back down as a I get that. first they were a position coach in the league. Then they came to college to be a coordinator. And they went back to the league. That may be a and path. This is now. off that Lou Anarumo defense. It's yes. so good. And uh, that's a great point too. I want that Lou Anarumo blueprint. Um, so they're bringing in safeties coach Robert Livingston as the defensive coordinator at Colorado. So there you go. Dion. Yeah, they want them league connections. And more and more people just they want that league connections. We talk Sark does it all the time. Sark's all about Amen. that league connection, having that as a you know, a, a data point on your resume, whether as a player or as a coach, it just matters. When you can say, Yeah, my time in the league. You no, know, my time when I was in the NFL, just dropping that, trust me, goes a long way with young recruits these 100%. days. hundred percent. Yeah. And by the way, we also have some breaking news from the NBA. Do we have any more trades that have come down in the last uh, 25 minutes, Patrick? That we have seen. The, 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 I mean, deadlines make deals. Deadlines there, make deals. There has been a few that have come down. Uh, the Mavs actually just made a trade too, but we'll start off uh, with probably the bigger one is going to be that uh, Gordon Hayward is headed to Oklahoma City in a trade Ooh. for Trey Mann and Davis Bertans. They're unable. To, they're able to load, unload the contract. The Hornets are of Gordon Hayward. They put him on a team with a lot of talent already in Oklahoma City. A little veteran uh, leadership there to add into Oklahoma City. Uh, the 76ers make a small trade, basically ditching off Daniel House to the Knicks. Uh, that'll go or to the Pistons. Uh, but that will mean it opens up salary cap room for the, the 76ers to get into the buyout market after the trade deadline and guys like Kyle Lowry get bought out. Then they maybe can go get a play for someone who gets bought out after the trade deadline. And the Wizards are sending Daniel Gafford, 6'10 center, 
Uh, good rebounder to the Dallas Mavericks for Rashawn Holmes and draft compensation. So Mavs do get somebody uh, to help out in the post a little bit. All right, there you go. There's Patrick Davis with his thumb on the pulse of the trade deadline. Mm. I also saw where the uh, NBA has announced, and you can speak to this there, Patrick, a little more clear, but uh, they have sold the the rights to the in-season tournament. Is that right? I believe this? so, to the uh, United Arab em- or the Emirates Airline. Emirates Airline. The Emirates Airline, yeah. And then they're all <laughs> going to be wearing the patches during the games and you know what? It's they're going to make the money at this point. That's, golf broke the door open and said we're all taking money, so they're going to take yep, the money. Absolutely, take and that's the, the airline uh, with the first class airline. I've, yeah. I've heard of from folks who have flown that, and they're like, "Oh my gosh!" Oh, it's got, like that. It's like, like beds. You oh, lay down. Wow. <laughs> it's extravagant. That's, that's huh? a LeBron James airline, not the uh, not the Daniel Gafford airline. <laughs> yeah, Emirates is uh, the, the airline has bought the rights to the in, in season tournament. And remember, it was Adam Silver who said, "Man, I, I, LeBron, I need you to take this seriously. I need you to make it big because we we want to sell this thing for a billion dollars, and everyone will make more money." And how much they sell it for? I don't see numbers on okay. the Emirates deal, but I'm sure it ain't uh, chump change. Oh, it ain't chump change because they don't really they're, they're they don't have the same uh, value of the dollar that we do. They or they don't want to they don't need it to make money for them right away. A lot of people invest with return on investment as their number one priority. It doesn't seem like that is Liv's top priority. Well, not Liv, but the, the public investment. Yeah, and this is the that? airline. I don't know how much they are sharing in that. But another piece of coaching news this morning, man, the NFC East is uh, incestuous right now uh, with the Cowboys division because the, the Cowboys have denied the Washington Commanders two separate coach interviews that they were trying to get. I saw that. Uh, Commanders and Dan Quinn wanted to talk to their tight ends coach, and they wanted to talk to uh, – Another member of the coaching staff, uh, I think it was what um, you mentioned it to me, but they're Al kind of, Harris. Al Harris, well. yeah, they wanted to talk to Al Harris, and then the the tight ends coach, who, who Dan Quinn wanted to make the offensive line coach, and he oh. thought by naming, so you really you you can't block another team if they're trying to give the, the a coach promotion. a promotion, yeah. But Dan Quinn was apparently trying to hire him as an offensive line coach and maybe considered that a promotion from tight ends coach, and How? Uh, the Cowboys said no, 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 still a position you can't coach. talk to him, yeah. Uh, but with all that being said, Dan Quinn is trying to raid that Cowboys staff, it appears. Uh, but we'll keep, and the Cowboys are trying to hold that off as while they wait to hire their new defensive coordinator, which they haven't done yet. But the Washington Commanders are expected to hire, according to Jeremy Fowler, former Philadelphia Eagles offensive coordinator Brian Johnson, to a prominent offensive staff role. So, of course, he was in charge of the Philly offense last year under mm-hmm. with Nick Sirianni. And no, it didn't grow great, but he's obviously going to have some offensive capacity under Cliff Kingsbury. In yeah, Washington. No doubt. Uh, yeah, I mean, Dan Quinn, like I said, he's always done a good job, in my opinion, of hiring. I thought his staffs were excellent when he was in Atlanta, including Shanahan and Steve Sarkeesian and Raheem Morris was on that staff, too. I mean, they had three former head coaches on that staff. That's impressive. So yeah. Dan Quinn identifies coaching talent really, really well. Um, so the hope is that he's going to do it again if you're Washington. Well, I, look, I'm a Dan Quinn fan. Anybody listening to the show knows that. I believe. If they get the quarterback right at number two, they're going to be a problem for the Cowboys. Um, yeah. I mean, because they can get good pretty quick. And they got good lines, decent lines of scrimmage, actually. Well, look, we saw the Texans do it, right? You right, hire a really good defensive coach with, uh, with who brings great culture, brings great passion, you know, win the locker room, as D'Amico Ryans did quickly, knows defense, knows yep. how to hire a great coaching staff, and they got quarterback right, quite mm-hmm. honestly. You get quarterback right at two? That's half the battle, man. That's half the battle. <laughs> now you got a young coach and a young quarterback, and you know Cowboys are dealing with an older coach and an older quarterback who mm-hmm. have not gotten it done yet. And that's obviously, you know, Eagles are kind of in the same spot. They Washington has not been much of a threat under Ron mm-hmm. Rivera in, in recent years, but now a new owner, new coach, and as we just saw, if you get the quarterback right, you're on your way. Yeah, that's I mean. that's really. And now you got Cliff Kingsbury calling the calling the offensive plays. That'll be interesting, and obviously get to know it because uh, that's your division, Cowboys. You got to beat them twice and play them twice. And Dan Quinn's trying to bring more former Cowboy or current Cowboys coaches with him right now. That's a decent wide receiving core there. too. And as we said yesterday, you can expect Dan Quinn to try to raid that roster a little bit too. Guys like J. Ron Curse. Well, J. Ron Curse is a free agent, I think, isn't he? Yeah, and you wonder if so get, those was, are the type of players that Dan Quinn's going to target just yep. because they know the system already and help teach the current. Is, be a, be is a, Leighton Vander Esch a free agent? I think he is. I wonder if he'll try to bring in LVE too because LVE was really good in Dan Quinn's system. Remember, Dan Quinn essentially resuscitated his career. Yeah. People thought he was going to be on it. He was done and thought that he had, we had seen the best football of Leighton Vander Esch. And then that was kind of – he was resurrected in a sense under Dan Quinn's system. I wonder if Dan Quinn will sign him. It's like a short-term deal, but he can be a guy that can provide some stability. Um, to your linebacking course. I, I think, I'm with you, I think J. Ron Curse is one he's going to target. I think he's going to target LVE, too, my linebacker. 
Well, and look, there could be some guys. The Cowboys are going to have to release some players because the cap is is not good right now for them. Now they can restructure, but I'll be. I mean, this this next month when the Cowboys have to get ready for league business, which is mid March, it'll be they're, they're going to be doing some salary cap gymnastics here to try to figure something. They're they're going to have some casualties. Yeah, and you know Dan Quinn will be the first vulture looking to bring in. Well, he knows. Yeah, he, knows he was in on those meetings. He was like, man, we're going to cut this dude. He's like, oh really? Write that down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Writing that down right there. I gotta cut that guy. Yeah. So he's I in his meetings now watching. Okay, we can expect this guy to be cut. Yes, we he knows. Be first in line. He knows. So that's kind of that. That's you know. But they know Dan Quinn really well too. The hope is that the Cowboys know his system so well that his defensive system won't be as effective versus the Cowboys because they know all the little vulnerabilities. Yeah, he's shared that with them. Like, yeah, we get beat doing this, this, and this. Sure. My no, that's that's why I say incestuous. It's good. Because there's the Cowboys have great familiarity of Dan Quinn. Dan Quinn the same the way the back way now. The you know, Eagles too. The Eagles now with uh, yeah. Kellen Moore. Oh man! And obviously they know each other anyway because they're already in the same division. <laughs> yeah. Right. Now they're incestuously swapping out coaches. Yeah, you're right. That's <laughs> yeah. Who's who's gonna come out? Basically, who is that more advantageous to? That's what we're gonna try to figure yeah, out. We'll find out. Like who's using that information best? Yeah. All right, so Washington making moves. Uh, Gary Patterson back to college football. GP, GP up at wow. Baylor. And here's a CDCB on the text line. It says, if I'm Baylor, I'd rather have Gary Patterson as my head coach than Dave Aranda right now. Well, I think you ain't <laughs> – CB, trust me, that administration, I know a lot of administrators thinking the same thing at Baylor right now, and they're giddy about this. And do we know – He's going to get the raw treatment there too. Even though they, he's what – what did you say the title was from? Something oh, – Some it. long title. You ain't got to find it. My point is that he'll get treated like – he'll get first-class treatment though at Baylor because I think they do want him potentially if Dave Aranda doesn't have a good season this year – they would love him to seamlessly transition right into that role. He has been hired to Baylor staff, according to Colt Barber, as a senior-level strategic consultant. See, there you go. <laughs> he's going he's with the best treatment and might be the highest-paid strategic whatever consultant. Consultant by a private school. Yeah, ever. Doesn't they, have to re- disclose his pay. Yeah, they want him around. And for Texas, you know, Texas would have wanted him around too, but there was no spot for Gary Patterson. No spot, and I think he wants no to spot. be in the Big 12. That's where, yeah. that's where his knowledge is, his greatest. He can be of help. And be strategic. Yes, he and can. And consult. Yeah. All right, we'll come back. Ryle will take us behind the BOC here. More from Sark coming up. Also, we got to – who are the Cowboys going to hire as their defensive coordinator? They're interviewing everybody in the world, which is a good thing. We'll try to make some guesses into uh, uh, the NFL honors tonight. It took them up with Ian Rodby. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Before we go behind the burnt orange curtain, I need uh, Rod to give me his prediction. Who are the Cowboys going to hire as defensive coordinator? Do we have a thought? I, are we be still on Mike Zimmer? It should be Zimmer. It should be Zimmer. I agree Zimmer. with that. Out of all the old heads that they are interviewing now, would say Ron Rivera. Zimmer's in there now. Rex, Rex Ryan. Ryan's in there now. I think the one I'm most comfortable with is Zimmer because I I believe he has probably been involved with the game most more recently than no. I know they've been coaches, but in terms of them play calling, like being a defensive play caller and being involved, I think he has a more recent uh, history. 2021. Yes, where he, he is. At, yeah, he was actually you know involved in calling some of the defensive calls for Rex Ryan. That's not the case, and also for Ron Rivera, who I love. I think Ron Rivera is a great person. My former coach, the Bears. I don't know if it's I don't know if he's called defensive plays in, in years. Uh, we're years. talking uh, coaching conversations with Gary Patterson, if you're just tuning in. is uh, taking a, a job as a consultant with Baylor and Dave Aranda. Uh, Steve Sarkeesian, and you're going to hear Sark uh, coming up with, with the rod behind the burnt orange curtain. Cowboys need a defensive coordinator. I wanted to play this for you, though, Rod. I just found this come across. So every, all the coaches had their, their news conferences yesterday in college oh, yeah. football because of National Signing Day. And Jed Fish is the new coach in Arizona. Excuse me, in Washington. Oh, yeah. Came in from Arizona to replace Kalen DeBoer, who went to Alabama. In this musical chairs of uh, of coaches. Now, here Jed Fish came from the NFL to college. Yep. And you'll hear him talking about this. This is a really good quote because you'll hear him say, we, we, 
some people sell NIL, we sell the NFL. You know who he's hired to be his two coordinators? Oh. The son mm-hmm. of Bill Belichick. Yeah. Steve Belichick and the son of Pete Carroll. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> to be the offensive coordinator. And listen to Jed Fish explaining to the, to the fan base why that's the direction they're going to go. I think NFL is a lot more important than NIL. Um, and I think when you have an opportunity to sell the NFL, um, you should do it. Uh, the difference of some programs is they want to, you know, sell it. We can tell it. We can tell you what it's actually like. Uh, Steve Belichick and, P- and Brennan Carroll have lived, breathed, and were born into the National Football League. Um, there is no question that both of our coordinators, forget their 14 years or seven years of coaching experience in it, they have 40 years or 36 years of living in it. Um, I would expect that we uh, will have two of the four members of the Mount Rushmore walking around our building very often. And I think when you can get that done, that's an incredible opportunity for the kids. On, on top of that, uh, I've been fortunate to coach in the NFL myself for 14 years, uh, running back coach, played in the NFL uh, for seven years. And um, the safeties coach we just hired, played in the NFL, was a fifth-round pick. And when you get all those guys here, we can tell these kids what it looks like, what it feels like, what to expect, what's real money look like, not NIL money, but actually the real money, the real salaries, um, the opportunity to get a second contract and make 10x what you ever, 20x, 30x what you ever dreamt of making uh, on a college program. And um, we hope that not only does our messaging hit, but we hope our scheme hits. And that when the NFL watches our games, which they all will, they will see what it looks like um, at the collegiate level to run NFL scheme, and we hope that that translates to the draft. Um, yeah, I mean, like I said, Sark's doing the same thing, right? Sark wants to have guys with that NFL pedigree on their resume, player or coach, so that they can describe to recruits and talk to recruits about their path to the NFL and how they can direct their path to the NFL and what it takes to make it to the NFL because that's every teenager's dream. Every teenager that's being recruited to play football at the next level, they may vary in why they want to go to a certain school. They may vary in what systems they want to play in. And sometimes they don't even know what position they're going to end up playing, right? But one thing they all want, every last one of them, is to play in the league. Every, that's one of the common things. Also, NIL is not all that common between all of them. They would like to get a little money, but, I mean, the NIL ranges very differently. It's varying yeah. depending on where you are and what kind of program you have. But every player being recruited, I repeat, 100% of them, they all want to go to the league. And they all want you to tell me exactly how to get there. If you can direct me how to get there to go to the league, then, you know what? I, you, you basically are preaching me. That's gospel to me. And coach them up. And coach them up, up like, uh, to be capable. Yeah, so I think uh, that's what's going on now. And I think there's a movement now in, the, in college level for that. Yeah, because we had the story last week about the coaches who wanted to get back out of college and go to the NFL. Now you got a coach saying, look, we're using the NFL, and that's going to be a big recruiting tool for us. And he mentioned, you know, Pete mm-hmm. Carroll. And he, you can expect to see the two, two of the goats walking around our facility. Now, that's quite a good a question. Is it two goats? Is, is it Bill Belichick the goat? And Pete Carroll's goatness is in a separate category because he's a goat because he won a college and a pro one. And he's in Seattle. So you, you, you can so he's gonna call him a Seattle, goat regardless. Yeah, in Seattle, <laughs> he's you a can goat. consider that's him a goat. That's a good point. They yeah. love Pete Carroll. It's all about your constituents. You're speaking to your constituents. Yes. There you go. So And, yeah, I mean, that would be, you know, to have those goose guys as consultants just hanging around. I just saw where, uh, uh, because he didn't get a job, Luke Fickle at Wisconsin is saying that uh, he expects his best buddy, Mike Vrabel, to be hanging out with the Wisconsin program maybe this offseason. Oh, wow. Because he's not doing much, and they're best friends. I mean, they played on the same defensive line at Ohio State. That's and, true. Uh, That's a good point. Um, lifelong friends. They're friends all the way back yeah. to high school. Can't believe Vrabel didn't end up anywhere. I know. Uh, I think a lot of that is the belief that Vrabel wants to operate in more of a, that Bill Belichick model. He doesn't answer to the, the GM and the chain of command that you often reference, that he is the chain of command. <laughs> well, think about this. <laughs> teams don't really like that anymore. Conspiracies with, with the Gary Patterson conversation, but you know, when, when Mike Vrabel was like going in Tennessee, the, the fan base that most fired up was Ohio State. They immediately said, Oh, Ryan Day. If Ryan Day falters, hmm. and you got, you got Mike Vrabel hanging out at Wisconsin with his buddy okay. Fickle. Um, okay, I can, that's interesting. Man, Ryan Day, just what a weird career arc for a coach. Like, how did he go from being like to now being? Can't be in Michigan. He was vilified. Yeah, now he's being vilified after. I mean, how many games has he lost there? Has he lost? He's forty and zero against all other Big Ten competition. <laughs> he's forty and three in the Big Ten. It's amazing. <laughs> the three losses I mean, are all to Michigan. <laughs> good lord! And now Ohio State fans can't stand him. 
Oh, because he can't not, be Michigan. They, they, they aren't happy with him, and they love them some Mike Vrabel. Isn't that amazing? They love them some Mike Vrabel. Me, beating your rival means so much. Oh. It just means so much to teams. And in that place, having grown up there, yeah, yeah. it's – it's N- Nothing means more. <laughs> nothing, nothing means more. more. Nothing means more. Hey, let's get uh, – means a lot to Texas fans, too. And Steve Sarkeesian held court, held court yesterday. Let's get behind the burn orange curtain. And they were all asking themselves okay, we have the same 23. question. What is behind that curtain? All right, now Sark addressed a number of different topics at his media availability. Uh, we'll hear him talking about the uh, recruiting department changes and what a GM, what the GM position entails at Texas. But two cuts I really wanted to uh, get to is about, about recruiting. And um, Sark's, really, uh, Sark's mentality about recruiting and his approach to recruiting, which I think has uh, shifted just a little bit. Um, first, the first cut is him talking about the out-of-state recruiting, which has, we all agree, has increased tremendously for Sark. They're hitting the West Coast hard. They're hitting SEC country hard with some of these newer recruits with guys like the Short Choice. Um, so they're recruiting out of the state, probably, in my opinion, as much as they have in a long time at Texas. Um, and here's Sark talking about that out-of-state recruiting approach. Yeah, I, I think historically, you know, for me, having a lot of the ties in California um, has been beneficial. You know, the idea that we could go to California last year and get a Brandon Baker um, and continue to build upon that. And the, and the idea that that footprint in California now is moving east um, with some of those schools, you know, moving to the Big Ten and to the ACC, that now pretty much every kid in that state is going to be apt to – willing to go out of state and so uh coach nance and i have a great history together i know that he that he is a ace recruiter in on the west coast and in california i know we just touched on my time is getting pulled a little you know thinner of of that i can just get to california so to, to get someone with a strong footprint in california was big for me um, but i also know we're adjusting and we're moving out of the big 12 uh, where majority of the teams are in the state of Texas and we're all here, we're moving east. And we're, we've, we're going to Louisiana, Alabama, Georgia. Uh, that's now becoming a little bit more of our footprint. And so having uh, Tashar Choice and the work that he's been doing in Georgia and Florida, now to add Coach Baker with his ties to, to growing up in Georgia and, and starting his coaching career in Georgia, but also having worked with the, with the Dolphins, Again, we're going to make our hay in recruiting in the state of Texas, and that that goes without saying. But the idea that we've got a brand now that um, nationally is viewed upon as one of the top teams in the country where you can get a player or two uh, from from those states that are quality players, um, you know, I think it's worth our while to, to, to dive a little deeper into that. Yeah, when you get hot as a program, that's when you go national. Texas will always be to recruit locally. Because locally, they'll always be the flagship program in the state. Yes, I know Mike Elko has something different to say. Uh, but when you hit it big, like Texas did this year, going to the college playoff, that's when you want to start recruiting nationally because the basically the, the domino effect of that um, and the influence of that run you just made, it'll be on the younger guys. It'll be this run in 2023 for Texas. They'll see the effect of it in 2025, right, in 2026, and that's why you want to go national because that's when your brand has been recognized nationally as an elite brand. Right? So you can always recruit locally. But now that's why Sark, I think now, is like, now nah, we got to change up. we got to maximize the value, not only of our SEC move, which that's happening, but also the arc of the program right now. Program is doing really well nationally. It's recognized and respected. That's when you go national and you go recruit national. That's what he's doing now. That's why he's talking about Especially Miami. Especially, you know. Uh, fish where the fish are. I mean, as you've talked about, the real, the real you know, talent-rich areas of the country yep. is where you really want to be fishing. Uh, the best talent. And look, wait till the Longhorns get through April and they have eight or nine guys drafted. You know, exactly. Be another, that's another one. Yes. Like, Great point. Yeah. Um, to what we just talked about with Jed Fish, that uh, you know, last year five, this year could be nine, and it's like, okay, you know, that, that's that's an it program now. That's exactly right. Uh, they're they're playing for championships. They're developing their talent. There's NIL money available, uh, and the coaching is really really good. Yeah, there's like not a lot of things to negatively recruit against Texas nope. with. I mean, when, they, when, they, when they're checking all the boxes like that. So I think that's why the push is to go national. And the truth is, guys, you'll never have another coach that rules the Iron Throne like Mac Brown did. It just doesn't exist anymore. Uh, recruiting is too nationalized now. Um, there's too much competition in the state of Texas. It wasn't the case when Mac first got here. So he, Mac used to get the best 
the best athletes in the state, and everybody else got his leftovers. <laughs> it was trickle-down economics. Mac took the best, and everybody else got their seconds, which, you know, helped Texas dominate for a decade. But after that, after Texas could no longer walk into a living room and say, we're the best football program in the state with the best facilities, and we win more games, and we send guys to the league. They, they cannot go into every living room and make that case, which they couldn't after 2010. That's when Texas no longer ruled the Iron Throne. They, didn't got, they did not get the best athletes in the state every year. They got most of them, a lot of them, but not every year. And I think that's what Sark is getting to now where he knows it's still going to be hard to get the top athletes in the state every year, even now, because the competition level is just too high. Ohio State's recruiting in Texas. Oregon's recruiting in Texas. Alabama's recruiting in Texas. Georgia's recruiting. Everybody's recruiting in Texas because they know the talent pool is so rich. So what you got to do is infiltrate and invade their spaces. Get the, They're coming know, to yours. Cherry-pick the main guys you want, right? Yeah. The Anthony Hills, the Colin Simmons, mm-hmm. the, the great players in the state. But, yes, then it doesn't preclude you from cherry-picking around the country, too. And that's why the coaching staff has been built like it has. With exactly West right. Coast ties, mm-hmm. East Coast ties, Deshard Choice, now the new defensive line coach with deep ties in Florida and the Deep South. Uh, that's what you want. Uh, of course, Terry Joseph and Louisiana. Blake Gideon in the state of Louisiana. For sure, 100%, and uh, makes a lot of sense for sure. Real quick, some breaking news is coming down, Rod, before we hear another coach. Break it. According to multiple reports now, that we talked about who's going in the Hall of Fame tonight. Uh, there are some – because, you know, they do the, – the, the NFL writers gather, and they go through a long process to vote who the class is going to be. It says here that Julius Peppers, Devin Hester, and Steve McMichael Bam, bam. Selected to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. If that doesn't happen, I hope I'm not reporting. But that's all, that's all over the place now. But wow. this is coming out that because the word leaks out once they agree on who's going to be the class. But Steve McMichael, if that's true tonight, we gosh hope it is, he's, of course, in, in failing health, he would become the fourth, the fifth all time Longhorn into the Hall of Fame. I know. I didn't realize it was that many. Actually. Bobby Lane. Earl Campbell. Tom Landry. Tom Landry is three. And Bobby Dillon. Ah, yeah, I wouldn't have got that. The one. ball hawking safety. I would have gotten Bobby Dillon, yeah. I wouldn't have gotten that one. Yeah, and Tom Landry passes a lot of people by. Yeah, because the Longhorns don't celebrate with no. That's our fault. <laughs> I mean, you should be Tom Landry's statues and pictures up all, all over this damn place. It's yeah. not. He's a DB, too. DBU. Come on, man. Come on, man. Should, yeah, it should be the, the, the Tom Landry DBU room. Every time we hear oh. it, every time somebody hears that stat for the first time, they go, Tom Landry's not a Longhorn. Like, yes, he is. <laughs> proud Longhorn. He's a proud Longhorn, damn it. We're proud to have him. So, yeah, that's, that would be, that'd be, that'd be phenomenal. And I, can, I hope that is the case. Congratulations. 100%. To him and his family. I know they've been going through a lot of tough. Uh, uh, he's battling. Yes, they've been going through a lot of tough things lately. Uh, okay, last cut we're going to play here. This is Sark talking about recruiting locally. We just heard him talk about recruiting outside the state. Uh, what's his mentality and approach to recruiting inside the state now? Well, it's helpful. I mean, I, it's a lot easier for me to recruit locally. I don't have to get on a plane every every day, but uh, I can I can jump on the 35 or something and and head up to you know Pflugerville or Round Rock or Maynard or Bastrop or wherever. Right? I mean, we, we've got some local players here that have been high high quality players. We've also done a, a real analysis on a lot of quality players from this local area that went and played at other places that have gone on to have great careers and are in the NFL doing really good things too. And, okay, well, why didn't they come to Texas and how do we avoid that in the future? And so um, the idea that, that Jade's having success, Makuba's back, Alfred Collins is, had a, is having a good career, is looking forward to a great senior year. Ethan Burke's having success from Westlake. So those are just to name a few guys um, that, 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 that's beneficial. We, our backyard has got really good football players in it. There's been a lot, like I said, there's been a lot of other players from our backyard that didn't come to Texas. And would we have recruited them? Would we not have? You know, that, that, you know that's playing Monday morning quarterback, which I'm not going to do in recruiting because I don't like when you guys do it with me on Mondays. But point being, point being, we have to do a really good job in Central Texas. We have to do a really good job in our backyard of maintaining that the 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 high quality players that are here, you know, that this is one of their top options if if they're not coming to school here. There you go. Uh, so I think he even understands that you can't always get the best players in the state anymore just because the competition level is just really high. Uh, but I think you have to do that to a certain extent because you want to. Uh, you do want to make sure that if you're Central Texas, Houston, and DFW for Texas, and as you pointed out many times, E, he considers to Houston to be part of really Louisiana and East Texas. That's all one recruiting area to them now heading to all the SEC. All the way to New Orleans. So really what you need to focus on is that area, DFW, and Central Texas. Central Texas is more about that being your backyard. That's a pride thing. 
I'm becoming an iron. Uh, and, and, and it's getting more and more fertile. Yes, it is. More it and is. more fertile. No, That's true. I'll tell you, I love the end, too, is he knows now with social media, with all the pictures of their top five teams and top eight teams, he's like, I want to see a Longhorn on all of those because the more people see the Longhorn, the more the recruits think about us. That's, That's true. right. That's Amen, right. brother. 100% uh, with Patrick Davis. We'll come back. Patrick and What's Poppin' will give us a little one more update on the NBA's trade deadline. We'll keep an eye on this Steve McMichael conversation. Looks like he may be going to the Hall of Fame, uh, which would be unbelievably cool. And uh, the other What's Poppin' conversations what's of the poppin'? night, including the NFL honors coming your way tonight. Hook him up with Ian Rob D. What's poppin'? Who you Brand new whip, just hopped in. I got options. I can pass that like stocking. Just Josh, I'm spending this holiday locked in. My body got rid of them. Toxins. All right, what's popping? What's popping for sure today has been Patrick Davis for doing double duty and helping us uh, get through this uh, this one with uh, Ty on vacation. And Brock couldn't make it in this morning. He has unfortunately a funeral he has to attend, and we wish the best for him. Uh, Brock will be back with us tomorrow to produce the show. And tomorrow, Rod will know who wins all the uh, NFL awards, the NFL honors tonight, eight o'clock from Vegas. That will be popping. If you want to check that out, seven o'clock is the start time of the red carpet. Oh yeah. And then uh, good. the show itself starts at 8. Uh, hopefully they have all the awards done by 10 or so. so Trade deadlines. So you'll have that, uh, that, that finished. And trade get, deadline, 100%. You'll we'll see uh, the trade deadline, uh, at least all of the, I don't know, the different impact players who could uh, change teams Patrick, during the trade deadline. Patrick, I did see where maybe there's some rumblings that uh, somehow, because Golden State is not a contender this year, could they trade a Clay Thompson to someone? Uh, is that even possible? I mean, I think that there's people in the organization that would like to get rid of Draymond and Clay Thompson and try and win a title sooner. But with the salary cap the way it is, and and you know they're they're so on the tier, I don't think they feel like they can do that and really get anything back for those guys because they're kind of all overpaid at this point. So they realize they'd just be ditching salaries and not really getting better, and they're not sure that that would go over real well. And you know, with Steph Curry and the rest of the team. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's good. I had seen that name, and that makes sense. I mean, they've won their titles, and it does feel like the window has closed on them. Uh, and those, you know, Clay Thompson could, if it's not for the salary, could help a team without a doubt. Can he defend anymore, though? Yeah, can, but can he still be a role player for sure. Okay. But on on the right team, like a young team that needs some veteran presence, yeah. uh, that would be interesting to see. And you know, Draymond's Draymond. Yeah, I mean, um, if you think of him like in that Ray Allen role on the Heat. Yes. That role yeah. where it's like a three-point shooter where he's not doing a ton, but just a, a heady player that gets in there. I will give you another name for the, the Warriors, though. Watch out because Wiggins is being included in a lot of rumors. Oh, Andrew Wiggins, yep. That one really skilled player, athletic. Uh, as for the pop-in, the Spurs, uh, I believe this is right, Patrick. This opens the rodeo road trip for them tonight, right? Headed out uh, last to Orlando. Night. Last night did? Last night in Miami. Oh, with, yeah, they lost in Miami, and they opened there into Orlando tonight. So, yeah, the rodeo road trip is underway. As they'll be, as the San Antonio Rodeo ratchets up ahead of the Austin Rodeo, which is coming your way in March. Uh, Dallas is in New York tonight to place the Knicks, play the Knicks if you want to watch some NBA basketball. And as I've said all morning, I highly recommend if you uh, don't watch hoops for the NFL honors, uh, check out that uh, The Greatest Night in Pop on Netflix, the uh, story mm. of the recording of We Are the World. It is fascinating. It's a fascinating watch. Even if you don't like music, if you just like watching personalities, it's pretty incredible. Getting glowing. Uh, you gave it a great review, and everybody on the text line seems to have loved it, too. I don't it's, think one person has well, been it, negative about the, cri- the critique of it. Yeah. I mean, it's just, I, I want to go back and watch it again. I'm like Craig Flowers. I need to go back and wow, because you, you watch with a clean, keener eye of uh, all that goes on and just, just all these egos trying to make something happen. And they, they all understand, like, this is a big deal, and we, we don't want to be the – you know, this is all for a bigger cause than me, right? Yeah. This is for mm-hmm. starving children. Yeah, it's about worldwide heart hunger and, yeah. Oh, man, but, would, but you know, I, I'd kind of rather not be here. You know, that kind of stuff. <laughs> well, because, like I said, most of those guys are introverts. You think, you think just because they're iconic, uh, you know, musicians, you would think, oh, man, they're so uber talented. There's no way that they wouldn't be comfortable and they wouldn't be secure and confident at all times. Actually, just like us, they're insecure sometimes. <laughs> yeah. And, but I'm, I will say – and this, you'll see it. Waylon Jennings said, I'm out of here. Waylon he didn't Jennings, like it. He like, walked out. I don't like the vibe here, man. This ain't no good vibe. Once Stevie Wonder started to trying to change the words and put some Swahili into it, Waylon was like, I'm out. I'm out. <laughs> see ya. Now, imagine, too, you talked earlier about going around and getting autographs. Imagine you're a super mega star and no one's asking for yours. That would be absurd. That, oh. that is one of those things where you're like, have to sit there and just be like, I mean, I have a pin. If anybody needs a pin, I got one. <laughs> That's a great point. And think about that. Feelings were hurt, too, I'm Feelings sure. Feelings were hurt. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, and I was still amazed. That, you know, not to spoil too much, but Diana Ross did go up to uh, uh, 
Daryl Hall of Hall and & Oates and say, you're my favorite. I love your music. Will you sign my music sheet? Man. <laughs> Can you I, imagine Diana Ross? They probably still have up that to you. as one of their career highlights. <laughs> that Diana Ross came up to them. You're my favorite uh, musician of all time. I love that. Wow. Oh, my, if you're Daryl Hall, you're a pretty big star at the time, but it's kind of like, damn, that's Diana Ross. That's Diana Ross, <laughs> man. Yeah. No, that's, uh, that's pretty big time. I'm not going to lie. You're right about that. You know, and I come away. I'm a big fan of Lionel Richie, anyhow, because I watch American Idol with my wife all the time, and he's really he's, he's the best judge he's I've ever aged seen. Aged well, though. How old is? Oh, I know he's had a lot of seventies. He's had a lot of surgery too, but. but he is like he is the kindest, most nurturing judge it's ever been on a music show. And I'm surprised that plays on on that American Idol show because usually they want somebody who's a little harsh. No, right? they've gone away from the mean. They've gone that, away that from Simon, Simon Cowell. Cowell. Even Simon Cowell has softened. So they don't have a Simon Cowell on the mm-hmm. on the panel anymore. No, someone who kind of. Katy Perry's probably the toughest on him. Really? Yeah, mm. Katy Perry. Uh, but yes, so, but, but Lionel, if you watch this, Lionel Richie could run a mega, uh, be the CEO of a corporation. Hmm. He's got that type of ability to get along with everybody and, yeah. and connect people. Yeah. Because he's the glue to the whole damn thing. I mean, there, there are a lot of moments where you feel like, man, this thing could all fall apart. Yeah. These, these guys are all ready to take off. And then <laughs> Lionel Richie ends up getting everybody on the same page yes, again. Yes, yes. Yeah. Really he has good. to go talk to individuals to help do that. Everybody needs a different motivation That's with right. that group. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's impressive for sure. That's what coaches do, man. That's Lionel what Richie coaches do. might be a good coach. Lionel Richie might, might be a good, good coach, man. Yeah, that's good. And he was a huge star. He was a huge star because he had just – He still performs. Doesn't he still perform? Oh, yeah. Well, I saw him at uh, Moody the yeah, last fall. Yeah, not too long ago. We he looks about good, that. sounds good. He still got hit after hit, and he sang We All the World. How? <laughs> he just did his version of it. He just, oh, sang, he just, he just did like, sang the lyrics. Okay. Well, I think it was the last song. I think it was the very end. That's wild, actually. Okay. Well, he wrote it. He won I know the he did, but he won the Grammy such a collaborative it. effort. He it's goes, his songwriting credit. Yeah, yeah I mean, look, um, if, kids, if the new kids on the block can still tour and none of them can hit any of those notes anymore, Lionel Richie can do We Are The World. <laughs> I would have nailed it. Yeah, that, you're right about that. But he, yeah, I mean, gosh, and, and he, he hosted the American Music Awards that night, won a bunch of awards, and then went and corralled corral, corral all of those people. That's amazing. <laughs> Without, I might have checked that out tonight, actually. You might have said, uh, there might have been some cocaine. I don't know. Oh, might have. There definitely was some. Staying up all night. It's the 80s, man. It's 1985. The 80s. There might have yeah. been. <laughs> there might still be some in the room left. <laughs> How are we going to stay up all night? Get out the cocaine. <sighs> I will say our man Al Jarreau was into the wine bottles. Yeah, there Al you go. Jarreau. There you go. So that was the, uh, the, the most conservative things being consumed that I'm night. I'm sure. Well, <laughs> got to stay up all night. Let's go. All right, guys, good stuff. Thank you, Patrick, Thanks, so much. Patrick, Enjoy the brother. NFL honors tonight. Uh, check out that doc. Also, um, you know, you know, NBA tonight, NBA trade deadline. Patrick will have all of it. Patrick, Sports Complex, 4 to 6 today, correct? Don't miss yes, it. Yes, sir. All right, buddy. Thanks to everybody. If you missed any part of the show today, it was fun today all the way through. Make sure you go back and listen on the podcast at hornfm.com.